You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, Episode 17. All right, thanks for tuning in to Episode 17 of the Maritime Gardening Podcast. We're cranking right along with Season 1 and having a good time. And Greg, are you out there? Yes, I am. Excellent. Because it would be very scary if you were not. <laughs> uh, the show would uh, would be a little different. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're trucking along through summer here. We just got some rain. Things are we're coming out of that uh, dry heat warning, which is nice. Yeah, we can have fires again. Yeah, we can actually play with fire now. Yay. Uh, <laughs> I used to love doing that. Burn uh, all that stuff you've been dying to burn. Yeah. Well, hopefully not your garden. No. But, my garden uh, would burn. The whole thing's surrounded in wood chips. It's like a giant cigarette. It's the way to be smoked by the planet Earth. Yeah. Well, that would not be good. So I legitimately don't know what we're... I know what we're going to talk about today, but I have no idea what it is. So cold frames enlighten me. Okay, so today we're going to talk about cold frames, and I'm going to explore the notion of whether it makes sense to invest your time and energy into cold frames in Zone 5, where we mm. are. I mean, I'm, I'm in Nova Scotia, but anyone in Zone yeah. 5, you're going to have similar growing conditions to, to me. Mm-hmm. And I built one last year just to see how it would perform, because I've read a lot about wrote, about them, and you know, I've read articles that speak to the merits of them but i don't know i'm i'm not so sure it's the right move mm-hmm. and i'm going to talk about that today okay so what is in fact a cold frame so a cold frame is a a box that you build that's designed to capture heat and allow plants to grow after the growing season has ended mm. So like a like a, a variation of a little greenhouse or something. It's a greenhouse. Oh, you know, okay. it's, it's designed to really hold the heat in. It's insulated, and it's yeah. as my my understanding, you use them to prolong the growing uh, period of of greens. You know, really tough greens that don't mind a bit of cold. Things like Swiss chard and kale and and, and that sort of stuff. Um, you can't grow tomatoes in them and that sort of stuff around here right. anyway. Um, I think part of the problem is we get a lot of information from the states. So if I'm in North Carolina, um, you know, cold frame probably makes a lot of sense because their winter is awesome compared to ours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could go there in the winter and have a great time. Um, whereas our winter, you're like just trying not to die, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's cold here. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you build a box and you frame it in uh, with, you know, uh, plexiglass or glass or, or heavy plastic or maybe yeah. a combination of, of plastic and styrofoam or plastic and wood or something. But it's a box of you know whatever dimension you're, you're willing to invest the time and money into and you, you put your plants and you start growing things there, let's say in the fall, and they're supposed to continue growing and provide food for you into the winter months. Yeah. So that all sounds great. It does. Um, Sign me up. So last fall, I built a cold frame because I wanted to see what 
this all about. Now, you know, full disclosure, I, I didn't build a, a glass box because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, one term is cheap. I'd say cost averse. Thrifty, thrifty, thrifty. <laughs> cost averse. So, I mean, the way I built mine was the, the walls were built with bags of leaves. Right. I, you know, people threw away bags of leaves on the side of the road and I grabbed them to use as mulch. And I thought, well, as long as they're sitting around waiting for next spring, I might as well use them for something. And what could be more insulative than a big bag full of carbon and air? Right. So, the you know, I built a an area that was, let's say, eight feet by eight feet. And it had a wall of bags of leaves about two feet high all the way around it. Mm. And then I used uh, the concrete wire remesh to build a domed roof. Uh, over the top mm-hmm. and, you know, built my walls up on uh, the front and back to continue to insulate. I put a little door in there. So it let the light in. It was insulative and it was d- directly on the ground because the ground, you know, freezes last. Yeah, The ground is insulated, right? It's insulated by adjacent ground. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I built this thing, and I, you know, I didn't put glass or uh, plexiglass over the top. The domed roof was uh, a couple layers of six mil poly, which is pretty heavy plastic. And that's just what I had kicking around from other things I'd done in the garden. And I don't, you know, I, I like to sort of keep using things and reusing things until they wear out. I'm very conscious that way. So I built this cold frame, and, and all I had growing it was Swiss chard and kale because those are the toughest things you can grow. Right there's mm-hmm. there's places in the states where you can grow those things all winter, um, so that's the thing that I decided to grow in my cold frame, and it was big enough where I could open the door. I had a door on the north side, so the south side was just a big open plastic see-through wall, and the so it was it had a, a south side that was completely open um, right down to the ground, so the south side gathered light. Its entire surface gathered light. Yeah. Um, the east and west side, uh, with the exception of two feet from the bottom, you know, two feet, with the exception of two feet high of those uh, leaf bags, it was all plastic too. So it gathered light. And the north side, it was just a wall, a solid wall, a solid insulative wall, with the exception of the door, which was wood, because you're not getting any light from the north side. Mm. So you might as well just insulate the hell out of it. And not only that, but on that north side, on the inside of the north side wall, I put, um, I can't remember what we, I got something in the mail and it had all this sort of like uh, tin foil bubble wrap type stuff. So I covered the entire north wall, which would be facing south on from the inside with this reflective material, like a tin foil. Yeah. So I built the thing to hold heat and capture heat as well as possible. And... What I found was that as soon as it got cold outside, the plants didn't die, but they didn't grow, Mm. right? They just hung on. So, I mean, I had eight or nine or ten greens growing in there. But, you know, if you were to harvest them for food, they wouldn't grow. Right right now, if I've got a kale plant and I take, you know, almost the whole plant and take almost all the leaves off the plant within about two or three weeks, it's grown back new big leaves. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I can keep harvesting off that plant. 
But as soon as the winter really set in, you know, uh, December, January, February, those plants weren't growing. They were just not dying. So if I was trying to feed myself, my family, etc., if I'm trying to make a meal every day or even one meal a week, mm. that cold, an 8 by 8 cold frame, that's relatively large. I don't know how, how big gardens the listeners have but mm. you know, I have a large garden but you, you can't make the it would be very expensive to make the whole thing into a giant coal frame so I made this most people from what I see they have like one box yeah. a 4 by 8 box or a 5 by 6 box or a 3 by 4 box or whatever they make you know it's a relatively small area so you've only got so many plants that can be in there and they're not really growing. They're just hanging on. They're just not dying. So they're there and you can harvest them. But once you harvest them, they're not going to grow back. So it's, you know, if you're thinking about calories, caloric value, it's not a lot of food. You know, it's, it's like a way of storing greens. But once you eat them, it's not like they're going to grow back. And maybe they do no. grow back. But because you got to think about that time of year, right? December, January, February, March. There's not a lot of sunlight. So there would be days I'd go out there with the kids. I had a thermometer hanging in the middle of it because I'm, you know, very sort of nerdy and scientific and so on. I wanted to check, you know, every weekend or every really good sunny day, we'd go out there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon if, you know, the kids were around or we'd go in after school or whatever and take a look. And, you know, there were plenty of days there in the winter where I'd go in and it might be 17, 18, 19 degrees in there, even though it was zero outside. Mm. So, I mean, there was heat in there. Um, and the soil was not frozen. Um, but the plants weren't growing. They were just, I mean, if they were growing, it was, it was at such a slow rate because every night it would, you know, the sun would go away and there'd be some heat inside that coal frame, but you know, that's you know, probably by six or seven or eight o'clock at night, the heat's gone. Yeah, I mean, it's the winter. It's Canada. Yeah, it's cold. It's, it's cold. <laughs> it's here in the north, right? Yeah. Um, so those plants can take some cold, but they they weren't like growing at night. Like right now, that my plants capture sunlight all day, and they're doing photosynthesis, and then they're growing at night. You can you can go out and look at your plants. I love to go in my garden in the morning and see how much they grew overnight. They don't, I don't know how much they grow during the day, but yeah. you, they definitely grow overnight because you can go out in the, in the morning, 5, 6 a.m. That's when I like to go out and, wow, look at everything that happened last night while I was asleep. Yeah. Um, that's not going on because at night in the dead of winter, the heat goes down. The plant's just hanging on. It's just, mm. you know, so I don't know that it's a – if space is an issue for you, if money's an issue for you, if your time is an issue for you, I don't know if it's worth the time and money to build one of these things because there's other things you can do with the space you have for gardening to secure food over the course of the winter that will produce more food and more calories. Right. So, I mean, we're not in a, you know, the world hasn't ended and we're not in a survival situation, but... If you're thinking that way, and I always tend to think that way, um, what are you getting back given all the energy you're putting into that? And I think there's other better ways to get food out of your garden that you can eat in the winter when nothing is really growing, yeah. uh, you know, pine trees and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. 
And, and towards the end, I will talk about what's good about uh, cold frames, what, ways they can be useful and ways they can benefit your garden. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about um, alternatives. I think that if you had an area in a garden, let's say I always think of a gardening bed as a four foot by 10 foot space. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that, but I, I tend to find that a great, you know, an ideal dimension. You can walk around it. You can reach in from either side. So right. I tend to make garden beds that are about four by 10 or four by 12 at the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, any longer than that, longer than 12 feet, you get this big thing you got to walk around. It's a bit of an obstacle in your garden. Um, you know, I like to have paths in between things and I like to have room to move around, move a wheelbarrow around, you know, move materials around. I find four by 10 is just great because you can, you know, it's, it's only two feet to reach from either side and mm-hmm. 10 feet wide isn't too long to, to walk around. It's not too much of an obstacle in your garden. Yeah. So inst- instead of turning that four by 10 space into a cold frame, which would take time, money, and, you know, at the height of summer, that cold frame, it's, it's, it's too hot. It's super hot. Yeah. It's getting just nailed with heat, right? Oh, yeah. You got to take you got to take the roof off. You got to open it up. You got to let either that or you got to go in there every day during the summer and water it by hand. Mm. As opposed to if it's open, it's just going to get rained on. And if you've got right. a culture like garden like me with a good mulch, it's going to hold the water, and you don't you don't have to do anything. It's just going to yeah. get rained on. It's going to hold on to the water, and it's going to grow on its own. So even if you have a cold frame by around. Sometime July, August, you're going to have to take the roof off and put the roof somewhere so that the thing can get, you know, direct sun, not filtered sun. Because even plastic or glass filters some of the wavelength of the sun through the right, right. It's not getting the full spectrum of the sun. Yeah. Um, so I think a better use of the space is to grow from a getting calories from your garden, calories that you can consume when the gardening season's over is to plant things that you can store, that store well. I mean, think about pioneers. They didn't have cold frames, right? They had to, they didn't, there was no superstore or Sobeys or gateway market. There there wasn't, there was nothing like that for those people. And they had to get by on what they were able to grow themselves and they didn't have cold frames. They grew a variety of things in their gardens. And one thing they focused heavily on was things that they could store mm-hmm. so that in the lean months of the winter, um, they could have those things in addition to preserves. And those things are your winter squashes and root vegetables and other things that and, – and preserves, right? Yeah, yeah. You can you can vegetables. You make jams, jellies relishes, pickles, and you'd also just, just can things. You'd, mm. you know, just like, like a, um, you know, before refrigeration, you'd, you'd canning just means you, you take a vegetable and you put it in a jar and you heat it up and you vacuum seal it so that it keeps for, you know, not indefinitely, but it keeps for a, certainly keeps long enough that you could eat it before the next year's right. food started becoming available. The easiest kind of thing you can plant is something that you don't even have to can or preserve something that just you you harvest it you put it in a box you put it somewhere that's not too hot and you you eat it when you feel like it yeah and those are root vegetables or Mm -hmm. winter squashes right that's why Mm -hmm. they're called winter squash because you you harvest them in the fall 
you stick them in a cold room, some, you know, some room that stays cool. not too hot, not too cold, you know, like around five degrees all winter long. And uh, you eat it when you eat, you know, when you want to eat that, you know, if you've got a, some sort of, you know, acorn squash or a pumpkin or some sort of squash or potato or carrots or parsnips or a turnip, um, you just have those things stored in a cold room. And when you want to eat them, you just go grab them and cook them. Yeah. I mean, you can get so many more calories or vegetables that can be dried and like beans, mm. right? You right, can you right. grow pole. You know, the pioneers grew pole beans. They grow beans that they let the thing mature on the vine and they'd get the pea, the beans out of the pods and they just dry them just like when you buy navy beans or kidney beans, dried beans, and you, you cook them. And it's a, it's a wonderful, um, healthy mm-hmm. uh, food source. But even beans, you know, if you're going to be drying them, that's, that's a bit of a process. So the easiest thing is to grow potatoes, mm. carrots, root vegetables like that because you can leave them in the ground right up till like Christmas, right? Mm. I don't pull those things out of the ground till like Christmas. Partly because Christmas, you got a bit of time. You got a vacation. Yeah. You got a few days off. Yeah. The ground hasn't really frozen up yet. Right. Um, so you can go out there and you, you, you harvest everything and you put it in a cardboard box. And I mean, I, I've got a house, I'm fortunate where my house, the garage is attached to the house. Yeah. The garage is not heated, but you know, it sort of gets heat from the house just because it's adjacent. Yeah, it's it's like mine. Yeah. So I have a thermometer in my garage and, and any time in the winter, no matter what kind of winter we're having, it's always above zero. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it's always somewhere between three, four, five degrees Celsius. Yeah. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Yeah, so yeah. my apologies to our American. Well, listeners. 30, I'd be like 35, 38, 39, something like 27, that. 27, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so it's perfect. It's a basically a cold room, it's a refrigerator. Yeah. It's also a great place to keep beer. Um, <laughs> just saying. But, uh, it's like perfect beer temperature yeah. in winter. It's better than a fridge. Yeah. You can store a lot of beer in a garage. <laughs> <laughs> Sidetracked. Sidetracked. Um, so it makes so much more sense to plant a large plot of carrots, a large plot of parsnips. And if you've never planted parsnips, and I've talked about this before on the show, they're so good. Uh, I have to have you over, Dave. You do, you do. Feast. I, you know what? I absolutely did not like parsnips when I was growing up. I think I mentioned that before, but it could have been the way they were prepared. But uh, and oh, our were, generation. I mean, our parents didn't yeah. didn't cook food. They they sterilized food. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's exactly <laughs> what they I did. Remember my father boiling beans. You know, like he'd yeah. put them in a pot and boil the hell out of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, beans are delicious, but you don't boil them. I mean, that's like... And then you then you drain all the water, and it's like green water. The best part of the bean yeah. is being thrown down the sink. Yeah, exactly. That water like a tea. Yeah, you know, actually, like a that's a good tea. idea. A lot of uh, vitamins, I mean, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a, a biologist yeah. or, you know, so you can, you can wiki or Google this yourself. Yeah. But uh, a lot of really important vitamins in your diet are greatly destabilized by heat. Yeah. So, you know, when you're cooking vegetables, you, I don't like eating a lot of raw. I like to cook a lot of my vegetables, but I mean, I cook them just enough so that they're tender and, yeah. you know, they taste good. Yeah. Um, 
I tend to cook them with garlic and olive oil and things right, like that. Right. But I don't cook the hell out of them. Yeah. You know, like just cook <laughs> them so that they taste better. You yeah, know, a little yeah. bit of salt, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Man, you're um, making me hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it makes so much more sense to grow these sort of, you know, vegetables that can be just harvested. You put them in a cardboard box. You put them somewhere not too hot, not too cold. They can't freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, garlic. You harvest your garlic and you can store it. Mm-hmm. Onions, you can store mm-hmm. them for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, most of these root vegetables, you can store them for... And, and, you know, depending on how ingenious you are with the way you store them. Right. Um, you know, because it's... The, the more oxidization, the shorter the shelf life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if you put a bunch of carrots in a cardboard box and we're eating them, you know, I imagine by March they'd be pretty uh, funky. Yeah, done. Um, they're still like, you know, if you were starving to death, they'd still be food. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, you'd be happy to have them there, but they wouldn't be like something you'd want to serve to, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I guarantee you on a, from a caloric level, you're going to be getting yeah. more out of that space in the winter months than you yeah. would have got if you'd built a glass box and we're growing a bit of kale in there that isn't really growing. It's just busy, not dying. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, maybe, maybe the majority of the people do it just so they feel like they're doing, you know, doing good growing something all winter long. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of neat to go out there. I mean, it's it's like a science experiment. It's kind of fun, but I can say from, and I said I've done this for one season, so yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, it's in terms of the time I invested in it, it was a waste of time. Right. Compared to growing, if I'd grown in that same area, carrots, potatoes, parsnips, yeah. squash, I would have got way more out of that space. Yeah, yeah. That, that was makes available sense. to me calorically, nutritionally in the winter. I would have got so much mm. more. I got mm. almost nothing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to... I got enough to say I got something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I did not get enough to say that, you know, uh, that would have got us over. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. months, you yeah, know. Yeah, uh, I would have had to go out in the woods and, you know, find something meat-wise. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I was yeah. reduced, I wasn't reduced to that, but if I was reduced to that, yeah. um, the garden wouldn't have, wouldn't have, you know, that that cold frame wouldn't have kept us going at all. Well, maybe you could use the cold frame to lure in the wildlife. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you can't open it. Because no, that's right. It, then everything dies. Die, you know? It'll just get hit. Over. Yeah, that won't work. That's That was a bad idea. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Interesting. Well, I wonder you know, if anybody listening has had great success with their yeah. their cold frames. Hey, let us know. Shoot us over a picture. Send us some info. Yeah, I wanna I wanna learn. I mean, if I'm missing something here, um, that'd be you know I wanna if I'm missing something, I wanna know because if there's a yeah. right way to do this where it's actually you know productive. Yeah. It's it's the you know the, the caloric value from that space is worth 
what going from a cost benefit sort of point of view, it's worth what you're putting. You're getting out something close to what you're putting in. That sounds yeah. great to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a, a four by ten space of of carrot. That's a lot of carrots, mm. right? Or potatoes. That's a lot of that's a lot of food. Yeah. Right? Um, I just think that's a better use of the space. Um, you don't, you know, you don't necessarily, if you eat, you know, this time of year I'm gorging on greens. So I, th I think by yeah. the end of, uh, you know, my, my garden's productive till about November. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm eating out of there all the time and it's really driving my diet, especially now. But even at, right up till November, it's really driving my diet. I'm eating yeah. everything out of there. I'm trying to keep ahead of it. And, uh, but if, yeah, if, if there's a way to go about doing cold frames, that's really, you know, producing something that's comparable to what I can get out of using that same space for mm -hmm. root vegetables or winter squashes, let me know. Yeah. Because I'd love to hear about that. And I guess speaking to that, because we did an episode uh, a while ago and I was kind of trashing vermiculture. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to do a follow-up to that because uh, a listener wrote in and said that, uh, you know, it's it doesn't smell. I hadn't, I, you know, I again, full disclosure, I said I've never tried this, but every, from what I've read, it doesn't seem like a yeah. good use of my time. Yeah. So a listener wrote in and said, you know, you can put one in your garage and, uh, you know, the bears aren't going to get in there and it will, uh, it's a good way to, um, you know, produce fertile soil and it's a good way to use up your compost and so on. So um, that very week, as soon as that listener wrote that in, I went and I had enough leftover plastic containers, storage containers. I built a vermicomposting, uh, you know, facility in my, mm -hmm. that, that same garage where I store my potatoes and carrots. Yeah. And, you know, I, I went on YouTube and just looked at about 10, I think with YouTube, you should always look at 10 different people doing the same right. because half of them are just talking yeah. foolishness and, you know, a, four, a, a fraction of them are actually speaking from experience. So right. I looked at a bunch of them and I chose a design that seemed to be common to most. Yeah. So I built a vermicomposting thing. I had some soil in my garden that was full of worms, so I put that in there. And, you know, once a week, it, it's not productive to the sense that it keeps up with my compost. I am producing right. more, you know, because I... I'm eating so much uh, uh, vegetables right now. I'm, you know, my my compost container is full almost every day with you know the parts of the vegetable I don't eat. So I've got a lot of I'm producing a lot of compost, and the, the vermicomposting facility I have isn't doesn't keep up with it. But right, right. I've put stuff in there every week. You know, banana mm -hmm. peels and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, any any time where I've got my 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 compost bin, which is next to the cutting board of my kitchen, and I know it's full of stuff that doesn't have meat in it. Yeah. And I know there's no fruit flies in it because I don't want to create a fruit fly factory mm. in my. So I, you, you know, you sort of open it up and you can tell there's nothing flying around. And this has been a great summer for me. Um, anybody in Nova Scotia, because we've got this composting law, uh, a lot of people by sometime in August, their house is just inundated with fruit flies oh, yeah. from, all yeah. the, from all the composting. But this has been a great year for, I don't know if it's the way we've stayed on top of it. My, I have to give some credit to my wife. She's yeah. extraordinary with, you know, I, I'm kind of, 
lazy in the kitchen. I like to have the lid open to the compost bin so I can throw mm. stuff. I'm, I'm cooking a lot, so I like to throw, throw stuff in there. But um, we've done a fairly good job this year, so I haven't seen a lot of fruit flies in the house. Yeah. But anyway, the worms in that vermicomposting thing, they're doing fine. My garage, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's, it's a garage large enough to put a truck in, and that's it. It's, yeah. not, a, it's not a two-car garage. It's a one-car garage. It has no smell at all. Mm. None. Now, when you when you open up the vermicompost and thing, oh my God! You know, make sure you hold your breath before you open it. <laughs> but the garage doesn't have a smell. I wow. have to say, there's there's no smell in there. And I imagine if I scaled that up, you know, and had more of them, if I you know if could figure out a way to um, make it larger and find a space for it with all the kids' toys and bicycles and stuff, yeah, uh, uh, I could probably have a facility that keeps up with you know, 70, 80% of, of all the compost that I produce. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's worth doing. It's worth, worth doing in your garage. You know, it's not producing, you know, it's not like I'm, you know, I'm probably going to run this thing right up until next spring. That's what I'm committed to. And I'm probably going to get, you know, a few buckets of soil out of it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not generating cubic yards of mm. soil with this. Yeah. Um, but it's a way to take the compost you have and compost it. When you're living in a semi-rural place like I am, where you can't just come, you know, when I used to live in the suburbs, I composted in my backyard because right. the worst problem I had was raccoons and there was ways I could secure my compost bin against raccoons. Yeah. Um, I do all kinds of really inventive things. I, I had a lid on it that they figured out how to, um, tip up. Mm. So I'd stack shovels and pots and pans and all kinds. So if they tried to tip the lid off, all these things would fall down and scare the hell out of them. <laughs> and did it work? <laughs> You'd hear it in the middle of the night sometimes, and you hear them scream and run away. <laughs> it was booby, you know, I yeah, wasn't designed trail. to hurt them, but it was just designed to yeah. scare the hell out of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was my biggest problem was raccoons. Whereas here, I've got black bears and things like that that they're, yeah. they're not scared of nothing, you no. know. So. Yeah. Um, I really can't compost in my backyard in any meaningful way, even as it is right now in our neighborhood. Everybody is putting their compost in their freezer until comp until the you know the day the the city comes to pick it up. Oh wow! Because if you don't do that, you're, you're going to get your your bin tipped up, and you're going to have you know a Crap large all over the place. carnivore attracted to your property yeah. where your children play. <laughs> you know, a large that's no good. A large carnivore that can take you out in a like nothing. Yeah, nothing. You're like an so, ant to that thing. Yeah. Sasquatch will be out there. <laughs> Sasquatch. <laughs> be Lee Majors to take on the Sasquatch. <laughs> I'm dating myself with that reference. Uh, famous uh, six million dollar man Sasquatch. Yeah, yeah. But um But it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I I've learned that vermiculture is not a waste of time. And it's worth doing, and it's a viable way to compost when composting is difficult, if not impossible, on your property due to, uh, you know, the wildlife in your area. Interesting. And that was all from a, a listener comment. Yeah. No, I've, I've yet to have a bear um, rip the door off my garage. But there's no <laughs> smell coming out of there. Right. Right? Because whatever's going on in that vermicomposting um, uh, station. Yeah. It's not like, you know, if you walk by my, um, you know, that, that big green bin that the city yeah, picks, yeah, yeah. that stinks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> those are maggots everywhere. Those are ripe. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know it's there, oh, right? Yeah. If you're sitting on your deck and the wind's going the wrong uh, way, it's, oh it's, my God. It's <laughs> like, you know, I, I, there isn't much that smells worse than that. But I think, and what I do with the vermicomposting thing too, I mean, I have, I have a plastic lid on it, but I've also put just an old bed sheet over the whole thing so that, you know, nothing can really fly in there and get going. Yeah. Um, so the only thing in it is, as far as I can visually um, confirm is the microbial organisms that are in the soil mm-hmm. and the small red wiggler rooms, which w- worms, which I did not buy online from some store. Right. I just right. they just they were present in the soil. You know, mm-hmm. I found I just got a, a bunch of soil. It was uh, really really good horse manure that I got from a uh, stable in Mount Uniac, um, but it was full of these little red wiggler worms, and they seem to be happy as can be in that thing and they're just doing their thing mm. uh, so it's it's definitely worth your time so thank you uh, i wish i knew the name of the listener but thank you for that uh yeah. tip it was totally worth my time and i uh i stand corrected he can be wrong <laughs> it's possible, <laughs> it's possible. Well, it's gardening it's the beauty of gardening it's it's a lifelong right learning process, process. You know, yeah. I, I'm hoping that when I'm 90, I'll figure something new out every season, nice. just like I am. Nice, nice. Well, that's cool. That was a good uh, a good episode. I'm assuming that pretty well wraps it up. Yeah. I think okay, that, cool. I think, we, I think we killed it. Right on. Awesome. So uh, you want to follow the show notes for episode 17, just go to maritimegardening.com slash 017. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, um, all that good stuff. Uh, interestingly enough, we, we do appear to have a significant amount of subscribers doing that. Um, so that's great. And uh, by all means, if you have gardening friends or anybody that may be interested, please spread the word. Leave us a positive comment. I guess any comment, really, but positive ones are nice. <laughs> those, are, those are nice, yeah. Uh, we'll take them all. And, um, yeah, so thanks for listening. And we will catch you on episode 18. Thanks, Craig. Thank you.